Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. Good to have everyone here this morning. I sure felt the two weeks absence. It's good to be back together with God's people assembled together to provoke one another to love and to good works. Just lift up our praises to God and thank Him for His goodness and His mercy and His grace. Continue praying for the Stoner family, that the Lord would continue to heal them and help them in this time of illness. Daniel chapter 6, verse 4. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. How he carried himself amongst men. But they could find none occasion nor fault. For so much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. That of itself is an amazing testimony of Daniel's character and devotion to God. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. This morning we cherish it even more today than we did two weeks ago. The absence of the saints of God gathering together to worship on Sunday greatly grieves our hearts and gives us a greater yearning, yearning and longing, Father, to gather together to seek your face and to praise and worship you. Father, we look forward to that eternal day when we shall forever be worshiping you and praising you without sin, without sickness, without darkness, but in perfect light and in thy presence, in perfect love and joy, we'll be able to rejoice in the presence of our God because of what Jesus Christ did for us on Calvary. We thank you, dear God, for reconciling us unto yourself through your Son. And Lord, though our efforts, even now in this present life, are feeble, we pray that the Spirit of God would help us this morning to praise your name. We pray that the Word of God would, Lord, open up our hearts and our minds to the things of Christ. And I pray that we could learn from this book of Daniel. I pray that we could learn from this prophet, Lord, of the grace and mercy of God, how it preserves and keeps us in spite of all our circumstances and surroundings. Help us, dear God, we pray, that we would look unto Christ this morning, and looking unto him would be conformed more and more into his image. May he alone be honored and glorified in all that we say and do. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 The more I look at the book of Daniel, the more I believe the church today has much in common with the book of Daniel and the circumstances that surrounded the Jews, especially Daniel and the three Hebrew children. For though we might not be suffering under physical captivity, surely we are facing a spiritual 
one. Yes. The last few years have truly seen God's people and their faith in God put to the test. And yet to proclaim the church of God in general has been made the better for it, I believe would be a great understatement. I don't believe the church has been bettered by the last two years. I believe God has revealed some things concerning his people which should greatly trouble us as God's people. For many, many ways, <clears throat> these times and trials and afflictions have revealed many things concerning the spiritual condition of God's people. And that has been to the good of the few. Yet for the majority, I fear, it's not been very good. The church is in a disarray today. I believe these last few years have revealed things that men knew not of themselves nor of their God. That's what trials and afflictions do in God's people. They reveal to us not only our great weaknesses and infirmities, but our great need of God. Amen. Therefore, in many ways, Daniel puts us to shame. With all the knowledge of God at our fingertips today, and yet so little fruit and evidence of God's grace working effectually in many hearts and lives proves our great need of God today. Like in the days of Daniel, Daniel does put us to great shame with his character and his conduct and his unwavering devotion to God in the midst of an idolatrous nation. They could find none occasion nor fault for so much as he was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. That's an amazing testimony in itself. Ordinarily, one might not think much about these words, yet when one considers that Daniel has now been over 60 years, 60 years in captivity, Beloved, they speak volumes of Daniel's unwavering devotion to God and the excellency of his character and conduct under such long and trying times. That after 60 years of captivity, Daniel's character is faultless. And after 60 years of captivity, Daniel's devotion to God is unwavering and still fervent. That's a testimony of itself, dearly beloved. Some men might rise occasional in times of trouble and affliction, yet Daniel persevered and endured over 60 years and so far under four kings. He hasn't compromised his faith. He hasn't cowered in the shadows. If you read the first five chapters, he was bold in proclaiming the dreams that these kings had. 
some even condemning the king. So he wasn't cowering in the shadows. He wasn't hiding in some distant corner of Babylon. He wasn't sitting by the river of Babylon, weeping and having a pity party like Psalm speaks of. But Daniel persevered and endured for 60 years. And the evidence of, of it is his character being faultless and his devotion to God being unwavering. That should inspire us as God's people. Most men would become embittered and angry and disappointed and discouraged. Yes. Beloved, it's not the quick or occasional moments of faithfulness and devotion to God that brings God the greatest glory. Those little quick fits we have about serving God are little moments of fervency that we might have occasionally. But beloved, it's the continual and enduring devotion to God in our daily routine and habits of our Christian life, which glorifies God the most. Persevering through time and time and time again. That Daniel, after 60 years, they could find no fault concerning the kingdom. And then after 60 years, Daniel still devoted to God. He's an amazing testimony. Could there be a greater evidence of the grace of God than its continual and enduring effects upon the heart and life of Daniel over so many years? Beloved, I have heard over the last 40 years many young Christians boast and pridefully boast about their knowledge of God. And I say, let not speak of a few years. Let's see where you're at in 30, 40, 50, 60 years. My wife and I this last few days was considering and pondering over the last 40 years of people that we've met. And beloved, I say this to God's honor and glory, but I, I humbly say this, I could count on two hands in 40 years. That's not very much. I can count on two hands the number of people that are still devoted to God and going to church when the majority of them don't even visit church anymore or have nothing at all to do with God or they have both the world and God, or they think. It's not what you do in five or ten years. It's where we would be in 30, 40, and 50 years if God sees fit to let us live that long. It's an amazing testimony of Daniel. That he hadn't been tarnished by the idolatrous idolatry around him, that he hadn't been tarnished by the wickedness surrounding him. But his character and conduct was becoming that of a child of God. And his devotion to God unwavering. That's a testimony, dear beloved. Beloved, many there be who would seek to divorce any such evidence of God's effectual grace working sovereignly in the hearts and lies of God's people as though such a thing would give too much credit or merit to man. 
preacher, you're giving too much credit or merit to man. No, I'm not giving any credit or merit to Daniel. I'm giving the credit to the grace of God that it works effectually in every true believer. Such people speak boldly and proudly of their knowledge of God's grace, yet they themselves lack any fruit or evidence of such grace working effectually in their own hearts and lives. Oh, we know all about the grace of God. It's all of God. Nothing of ourselves. Yet where is the effectual fruits of God's grace working in your hearts and your lives? You know, the barren fig tree had an overwhelming appearance of having fruit. Do you remember? The Lord looked at the tree from a distance and had large leaves the Lord knew, but the Lord went to the tree and having large leaves gives an appearance of having a lot of fruit until he gazed behind the leaf and found it to be barren and he cursed the fig tree. Many professing believers are like that today. They boast of great fruits and yet when you glance behind the leaf, you find nothing but barren fruitlessness. It's not what we profess to know. It's how we live our lives. It proves the effectual working of God's grace in our hearts and in our lives. Paul said it best, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. He gives the grace of God to credit. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than them all, yet not I, for the grace of God which was within me. You see that divine harmony of which Paul speaks in First Corinthians? We find that in Daniel. Yeah, I am what I am by the grace of God, and I labored more abundantly, yet not I, for the grace of God that were, was in me. You know, I've come to find out as a believer over the years, when one has lived the Christian life long enough, listen to me. When one has lived the Christian life long enough to see and experience how it is solely the grace of God that keeps, preserves, and equips one for Christian service and fellowship with God, he knows he need not defend or explain it. He believes it. And he knows it and he understands it. He doesn't need to defend it. Daniel didn't need to defend the grace of God working in him. For the effectual working of God's grace speaks for itself. If you and I have to boast about our talents, if you and I have to boast about our faith and our knowledge of God, grace is not working effectually in our hearts. Grace speaks loud enough for itself. We live the Christian life in the power and might of Christ. And our lives speak for itself like it did for Daniel. It's amazing how that divine principle, that divine balance is seen throughout Scripture. Our Lord said in chapter John chapter 10 concerning himself, he said, if I do not the works of my father, believe me not. But if I do, though you believe not me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the father is in me 
and I in him. Look at the works, if you don't believe me. Look at my life, Christ said. The way I carry myself proves that the Father is in me. He said in John chapter 14, Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sake. You see, that is grace working effectually in God's people. We don't have to defend it. We don't have to uh, rise up and try to explain it. We simply live the Christian life and grace speaks loud enough for itself. That's what James meant when he said in James chapter 2, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead. Being alone. Faith does not Survive in us alone, James says. But listen to a lot of young believers today who are theologically correct, so to speak. Their faith is in anything except works. It's in knowledge. But James says, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead. Being alone, your faith by itself is dead. Being alone. Yea, a man may say, James says, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. That's not to steal or rob any glory from God. It's not to put any merit or credit upon ourselves. It's a boasting of the grace of God and how it does work effectually. In the hearts of God's people. Like in the life of Daniel. But they could find none occasion nor fault. For so much as he was faithful. Not faithful in regards to God. They knew nothing about his God. But faithful in regards of his manual labor. Of his service. Of how he lived his daily life. He was faithful in his duties. and his responsibilities. As he worked under the king, as the head of all the princes, he was faithful in all his duties. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. He didn't lie. He didn't cheat. He didn't deceive. He had a character and conduct that was becoming of a child of God. They could find no fault in him. And it still says he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. You see, beloved, what they didn't and could never understand is that Daniel's faithfulness and faultlessness before men was a divine result of his fellowship and devotion to God. It wasn't any merit of his own. They could find no fault with Daniel because Daniel's faithfulness and devotion and fellowship with God was what it was. You see, when we spend much time with God in prayer, much time with God in fellowship, beloved, it does influence and affect our daily lives. Our problem is, is we don't spend enough time alone with God. What we are in public is evidence of what we are in private with God. It was Daniel's fellowship and devotion to God which 
enabled him to conduct himself so favorably for men. And it's it's an attribute, it's a characteristic of every child of God who remains close to God. Remember Joseph, when he was in Potiphar's house, he was favored. Remember when he went to prison? He was favored in the sight of the prisons. He had an excellent spirit. Faultless, the Bible says, about Joseph. In prison. Yeah. Unjustly. Yeah. And yet Joseph carried himself in a manner that glorified his God. And that all because of these words. Did you hear often in that text? And the Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord was with Joseph. You see, beloved, it doesn't matter whether we're in a dungeon like Joseph or we're being threatened to throw to the lion's den. If our faith, if our life with God is so, if our fellowship devotion to God is what it ought to be, no matter what happens, we carry ourselves in a manner which is glorifying to God. We don't come in embittered by the circumstances. We don't become discouraged. I'm getting ahead of myself, but they, they, they sought something concerning the law of his God against him. I wonder why they chose his devotion, his private devotion and prayer. Surely there was other things concerning the law of God they could have tried to bring against Daniel. But why prayer? Why his private devotion? Because even Daniel's private devotion with God was known unto these princes. Was it envy? Was it jealousy? Was it rage? Oh, beloved, we can learn much from Daniel. Mm. Beloved, it is what we are as God's children in respects of our private devotion to God that enables us to be blameless. Philippians 2, be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. That's biblical. Blameless, Paul said, and harmless. Sounds like Daniel. The sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Why do people today, especially many Christians who profess to understand and believe in the sovereignty of God, seek to divorce these things from the Christian life? We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel. I'm sure they look very diligently too except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Pay heed to that. Pay heed to that because that has much to do with the Christian life and the Christian church today. Except we find it concerning the law of his God. And that was his unwavering devotion and prayers to God. Surely, like I said, surely there were many things concerning the law of Daniel's God that they could find against him. Maybe his worship. Maybe it was his the commandments that Daniel kept. Yet they knew, for some reason, they knew nothing was more vital and important to Daniel than his private devotion to God. They knew that. They knew this is one area of Daniel's life concerning his God that they could play against him. 
is devotion to God. Does the world look at us and see our devotion to God? I don't think it was merely Daniel on his knees in a window that they saw every day, but the evidence of his devotion and fellowship with God. They knew that Daniel held that in great esteem. Three times a day. <coughs> Daniel bowed his knees before God towards Jerusalem and gave God thanks. They knew that Daniel found this to be his life existence. They knew that this was the very life of Daniel's piety and godliness and devotion was his life of prayer, praying to God. I'm getting ahead of myself, beloved, but they began by convincing a lot of people to forsake the assembling of ourselves together over these last few years. Once that done, it's like scattered sheep. They're going to be coming after our private devotion to God. We're not allowed to devote ourselves to God. To give ourselves to prayer and devotion to God. They're going to try to keep us silent. And they've already began. I'm getting ahead of myself, but many... Many already are beginning to forsake the assembling of themselves together, trying to justify why they don't do it. There's not enough churches around. There's not enough good Christians around. And so they're falling into that, that lie of Satan. Assembling ourselves together is not something that we choose. It's not a choice. It's a command. Yes, it is. How can we... Provoke one another to love and to good works. How can we encourage one another in the Lord when we're not assembling together to worship and praise God as a corporate body of believers? Oh, the adversary knows how to weaken the children of God. And once the sheep have been scattered, The sheep separated from the flock is in greater danger. There's strength in the multitude of counselors. Whether or not the Jews were allowed to assemble themselves together for worship while in captivity is uncertain. Some say they were allowed. Some say they weren't. If you look at Psalms when they said they sat by the river of Babylon and they wept while the heathen told them proclaim us a song of Zion. They couldn't sing a song. I believe more that they were not allowed to assemble <clears throat> in many places. But that didn't hinder or discourage Daniel from worshiping his God in private prayer. This to me, Daniel's an exception. I'm getting ahead of myself, but let me tell you something. Even though the world will make every effort, even though our adversary will make every effort to keep us from assembling ourselves together. Never, never, ever forsake your private devotional time with God. Because, beloved, it might come down to that. Daniel is an exception. I'm sure if Daniel could assemble together, he would have got with his three Hebrew friends. And they would have had a prayer meeting in the book of Acts when they were persecuted. They went immediately to the believers and they got together in one house and they began to pray about this persecution that they were facing. I'm sure Daniel would have loved to have had a prayer meeting 
with God's people when this decree was signed. Never ever forsake your personal private devotion with God. Never forsake that closet time alone with God. Enter into thy closet and close the door, the Lord said, upon the world, upon everything else, and make your petitions before God and pray to your Father in heaven. Beloved, we gather on Saturdays, every other Saturday for prayer meeting, and we gather on Sundays, <coughs> excuse me, and we pray. But that blessing that we receive when we assemble together and unite our prayers together as God's people is a result of what we, how we pray privately in our homes. If we're not praying and having a private devotion with God, if we're not faithful to God in the closet, dearly beloved, our prayers are but feigned and hypocritical in public. When Daniel heard the writing was signed or knew it, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three, knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did before time. It was habitual for Daniel. Not habitual in a way that it was boring. But it was habitual because it was his life. Beloved, Daniel's case was an exception and one which contains a vital and urgent lesson for every true child of God. We should, as Hebrews exhorts us, assemble ourselves together to provoke one another to love and to good works. It encourages God's people. We've missed it for two Sundays. My, my, how my heart has been empty and void because of not being able to gather and worship. It's, it's painful to a child of God, I believe. Yes. And yet people today look at the assembling, especially over these last two years, They've been convinced by this by the world and by Satan that it's okay not to assemble themselves together. <clears throat> I can sit behind a computer and join church on an internet. And that's not the intent of Hebrews chapter 10. No. The fellowshipping of God's people, the uniting of our prayers, the singing of praises. The preaching of the word of God. Amen. It's essential for the Christian spiritual life. Absolutely. But Daniel was denied that. And yet Daniel continued to worship his God. We might one day be denied that. Will we still devote ourselves to God. Didn't say Daniel complained. It said he gave thanks before his God. Oh God, look what they're trying to do to me. They're 
threatening me with the lion's den. And, oh, God, I've been so faithful to you, and I don't understand why this is coming upon me. And, God, I just pray that you bring down fire from heaven and destroy them and all their heathen gods. And, no, Daniel bows on his knees, gives thanks to God. What a, what a humble, contrite spirit Daniel had. And it's evidence, I'm getting ahead of myself, and it's evidence because Daniel doesn't say a word when they come to get him. He humbly submits to the king's decree, unjust as it is. He doesn't say a word to the king. Beloved, let nothing, nothing come between us and our devotion and worship of God. There was a lady named Madame Guyon. I don't agree with a lot of things that she believed in. She had some things that were kind of contrary, but they had locked her up in a dungeon. And the only light she had was a candlelight during dinner. And she's the one that wrote that poem about being imprisoned in jail, that they could keep the body behind the bars and the brick walls. But her spirit was at liberty to praise God who put her there, she said. It's God who put me here in this dungeon of darkness. They can contain my body, but not my prayers. And she would pray to God in heaven. What is Daniel telling us? Daniel is showing us the importance and significance of our not neglecting our private time with God. Be consistent, dearly beloved. Be diligent. Remember when Peter was, John 21, and the Lord asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? The third time Peter uh, said that, the Lord said, okay, follow me. It's amazing, he said, follow me. And then immediately after that, Peter turns to John and looks at Christ and says, what about this guy? The Lord said, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? So he says again, follow thou me. Twice. You've confessed your love to me three times. Now follow me. Peter, you're still not listening. You're looking to another one. What's about him? Don't worry about him. Don't be concerned about him. You follow me. God, give us grace to find that precious time of devotion with God alone in the secret chambers of our hearts. For, beloved, there's where all our strength is going to be received from God. Praying alone with God. Why do you think Christ spent so much time as he walked amongst men in prayer? Sometimes all night in prayer. Our adversary has made great progress over the past few years in convincing many to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Now, like in Daniel, beloved, the world and our adversary are coming after our private devotion to God. Scattered sheep are more vulnerable than when they're in a group. And yet some, there's something even more extraordinary about God's grace working mightily in Daniel, which I want to look at in closing. 
Namely, I want you to see the way he carried himself under such unjust treatment. By quietly submitting to the king's decree and unjust punishment for his devotion to God. Listen to this. Look at verse 10. Follow me. I'm not going to read all the verses, but read with me verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his kneels, knees sorry, three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Let's skip over to verse 13. Then the king commanded, they brought Daniel and cast him into the lion's den, den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Do you hear anything from Daniel? Oh. You know, Daniel was appointed in a place of authority over all the princes and the principals. And yet Daniel doesn't use his appointed authority to defend himself. The king even said and, con and confessed that Daniel served God continually. Daniel didn't even use that to defend himself. He doesn't cry injustice or cruel treatment. He doesn't even attempt to justify his case when the king commends him for serving his God continually. You know, in all this whole thing about COVID, we have the Fourth Amendment, we have the First Amendment, we have our rights, we have... <laughs> Do you know we absolutely have no rights at all? <laughs> we have no rights at all but to submit ourselves to God's sovereign providence. Amen. We've raised, and I say this as humbly as I can, but beloved, we've raised a generation of Christian whiners who decries and complains about unfair treatment, people who spend more time belly aching and murmuring about other people, whose spiritual immaturity is clearly revealed in their constant condemning and judging of others. That's not Christianity. The last few years of trials which have come against God's church has brought out some very ugly things of professing believers. The heart-wrenching schisms and fightings and arguments and debates amongst those who profess to be Christians against one another is disheartening. The psalmist said in Psalm 39, 9, and I always love this verse, I was dumb, I was mute, I was silent. I was dumb. I opened not my mouth. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because thou didst it. I was dumb. I opened not my mouth because thou didst it. Daniel didn't blame the princess. <coughs> he didn't blame the king. He didn't blame his circumstances. Daniel submitted quietly to the sovereign providence of God. <coughs> Did Daniel know God would deliver him? Of course not. Did Daniel believe that? 
maybe. But then he was dumb. He was mute. He was silent. Lamentation says it best. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Let God teach you while you're young. Bear the yoke in your youth. Trials and afflictions. Bear it in your youth. Why? He sitteth alone and keepeth silence. Well, that's what a lot of young Christians should be today, be in place of silence. He sitteth alone and keepeth silence because he hath borne it upon him. He putteth his mouth in the dust. If so be, there may be hope. Beloved, that's someone who's learned to bear the yoke in his youth. Look at Daniel chapter 6, verse 18. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. What an influence Daniel had on this mm, king. Yeah. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. And the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. Mm -hmm. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamble. Listen to that. Mm. He was weeping, lamenting. Voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and has shut the lions' mouths that they have not hurt me. For so much as before him, innocency was found in me and also before thee. O king, have I done no hurt? Then was the king exceeding glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed, because he believed, because he believed in his God. What a testimony. What a testimony. This whole situation with Daniel would prove to be an influence on the whole kingdom of Babylon. Right. Daniel didn't slay a Goliath. He didn't cause the walls of Jericho to crumble. He didn't divide the Red Sea. But in many ways, Daniel did much more than any of those because he endured and persevered over 60 years in captivity, his unwavering devotion to God and his faithfulness and consistency as a Christian in the most trying of times. What an example, what a testimony to God's people. And it's all because of God's effectual grace. Boast not of the few years' accomplishments as a Christian. For the few years of knowledge you might have obtained. The question of it is, where shall you be in 40, 50, even 60 years from today? Oh, I've, in 40 years, I've seen many boasts of a faith that will be unwavering. Not many in 40 years, not as many as I had hoped in 40 years. You say, preacher, you're giving merit to man. No, I'm not. I'm giving glory to the effectual working of God's mm -hmm. grace. 
it's only because of God's grace, like Paul said, that we are what we are. It's by God's grace that we're preserved and kept. And my heart breaks for those who, over the years, have fallen to the wayside. Let the young learn in silence, and let the aged speak with great humility. That would be a feat for this day and age, once you get it. Beloved, Daniel felt not the need to defend himself, but humbly submitted himself and his circumstances to God, which proved to speak louder than any words he could ever say. May we learn from Daniel and God's effectual grace working in Daniel. What a testimony it is. What an encouragement it is for us. If Daniel could live, persevere, and endure 60 years of captivity in under a heathen nation, under four or five kings in his lifetime. Daniel never with his own eyes saw the rebuilding of Jerusalem. He never saw with his own eyes the rebuilding of temple. But you read Daniel chapter 9, no man ever prayed for God's people like Daniel. No man ever interceded for God's people like Daniel. Daniel was a man of prayer. We must be men and women of prayer. And that not simply in public, but more so in private. And when we arise out of our closets, may we live the life of Daniel. that was faultless before men. May we, as Daniel, be a testimony of God's grace and mercy in our own lives. Amen. Daniel, Daniel, fantastic. May God help us to learn from them. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much now for thy word. We thank you, Lord, for we thank you for what you did in Daniel and how you recorded that in your eternal word that we might read it. Lord, you said the things were written aforetime for our comfort, for encouragement, that we might have hope in Scripture. Father, our hope is not in any man, any religion. Our hope is in God and in the written word of God. I pray that, Father, you'd help us to examine the life of Daniel as well as others in Scripture. And may we be encouraged by them. Lord, I pray. I pray, Father, Lord, that you'd help us to look unto Christ. My Father, when all was said and done, it wasn't Daniel that received the glory. It was his God. When we read the finishing verses of this chapter, how his enemies were destroyed by the same pit of den of lions that they intended for Daniel. Lord, so shall it be, the psalmist says, with our enemies. They'll fall into the pit that they have made. Your Father, in the end of it, it is God who received the glory. Lord, I pray that, Father, that would be our testimony, that it would not be of ourselves, but God would receive the glory and honor of all things said and done. Father, guide us and direct us, we pray. Encourage us and strengthen us. Watch over the standards. We pray that, Lord, you help them, help them physically, spiritually. Thank you for our church. We pray that you continue guiding and directing us, Father, in the way you'd have us to go. We love you and we thank you for all things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.